Beyond the Beltway, this is DC Month, with our weekly analysis of national politics, DC-location injections from rooming in the window, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, presidents, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democratic businessman Rush Darwish, DePaul University economist Mike Miller, pro-Trump Republican Kent Gray, and in our second hour, Douglas Griffith of the Houston Police Department. We're a program tonight coming to you from our home base studios at WYND AM 560 here in Chicago. That's uh, Elk Grove Village. That's Salem Radio uh, for Chicago. And uh, nice to have you with us this evening. And uh, we have uh, Rush Darwish and we have Kent Gray in studio with me. Gentlemen, welcome. It's nice to have you face-to-face -face from me, but a long way from us, way out in the Pacific Northwest in Bellingham, Washington, uh, is Mike Miller, who's an economist for DePaul University. And uh, Mike generally joins us on the first Sunday of each month, and he shares his analysis of the most recent uh, federal economic report, which uh, was a good jobs report, at least according to the Biden administration. And uh, Mike, let's begin with you and give, uh, give us your assessment of the most recent uh, financial reports out of D.C. Oh, well, you're exactly correct about labor. Uh, it was a wonderful report. We have the lowest unemployment in 50 years. The number of jobs created was quite substantial at five, uh, 500,000 plus, which is really good, which means we have recovered all of the lost jobs that the, uh, that the pandemic cost us. Uh, inflation continues to be a problem. And now that the labor market is still so hot, the probability that the Fed will raise interest rates substantially, either a half or three quarters of a percent, is probably approaching 100% next time that they meet. So we're going to have to deal with an economy with uh, rising in interest rates uh, to deal with the inflationary pressures that this labor market and this economy is creating. Uh, Kent Gray, I want to ask you a question. I'm, I'm getting a little a bad uh, vibe with the microphone. Am I, am I still on... Uh... Okay, good. I'm 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 projecting. Uh, mine, mine sounds right. Okay, good. My question to you, uh, Kent, is from a Republican perspective, how are you going to run against? Uh, this is like the I think third or fourth month in a row, where the expectations and the projections uh, far exceeded what what the economists were saying. So, from a political standpoint, uh, how can you sort of beat up Joe Biden on an economic matter? Well, there's things that people are dealing with on a, on a daily basis that you can beat Joe Biden up on, and that's gas prices. Even though they're coming down, they're still $2 more than they were under Trump. But I actually had a friend of mine who separately sent me a message today, he was one of my left-wing friends, and he said, oh, my God, you see the jobs report? It was fantastic. So it's nice that we're talking about it right at the beginning because I went back and looked, and although the, the job numbers were great for the month, it's very interesting that the labor participation rate as far as people that are working in the entire economy, is still lower, even at this point, than any point during Trump's administration up until the collapse, basically, from the COVID. What does that mean to you? And then I want to get uh, Rush and, and Mike to weigh in. I, I think what it means, if you get into unemployment figures, which are complicated and not always the, the best way to figure out what's going on, is there's still a lot of people who aren't working in jobs yet. Yes, unemployment's down significantly, but there are clearly a lot of people who are not back into the labor force and thus looking for a job and counted in that number. And so we're still a couple points below where we were when right before the pandemic hit. Things were going very well as an uptrack. We went, we collapsed, we've come back, and, and frankly, kudos to President Biden for making progress on all this, but we're not where we were under Trump. Uh, Rush Darwish, uh, you're our Democrat this evening. Uh, 
your interpretation of these numbers and uh, the interpretation that Kent just gave them. I think Kent is, is accurate on many fronts. I think it's definitely positive, the jobs report, but ultimately this comes down to how much money Americans are spending. Just two days ago, I was out in the grocery store. I went in the cereal aisle. Usually I buy three boxes. I buy a couple of healthy options, and I buy my sugary one for the kids, Lucky Charms, Tricks, so on and so forth. Here's the problem. Cereal is still $7, $8 for a box. Yes. And you and you go across the, the grocery aisle, and that's how it is throughout. So, yes, jobs report, very positive, great for the Biden administration, but ultimately things have to improve when it comes to everyday costs. And right now, it's still scary. It's still expensive. I feel it. I know a lot of Americans feel it. And until then, I think Biden still could be in big trouble with the right Republican that runs against him. Mike Miller, a question to you, just to follow up on what Rush just said. Sure. When when will the average consumer begin to go into the grocery store and find uh, cereal for you know, three and a half, four dollars or five dollars as opposed to seven dollars. Is there a time uh, frame? Uh, that that's probably happen? not going to happen. Uh, in terms of rush comment on participation rate, some of that decline is due solely uh, or predominantly to the uh, baby boom retiring. So you have people who are above uh, working age, 16, but have gone into retirement instead of working. And that will reduce the overall uh, uh, participation rate. But we got to remember that inflation, when it comes to prices, there's two pieces to it. There's the level of prices, and then there's the rate at which prices are increasing, and that's what we call inflation. And even if inflation would stop rising, that doesn't mean that the price of those uh, products will fall. They may just stay that high. They won't go up uh, as much anymore. Uh, unless there is some massive increase in the supply of food, which leads to a decline in the price of making, uh, uh, say, uh, cornflakes or something, uh, the price will remain high um, pretty much forever. I mean, prices, uh, once they go up, they seldom come down. Uh, some come up, some come down. But in general, we're probably going to see a change in how quickly they go up, but we're not going to see the prices fall. Kent, how does that yeah, I mean, I think does that give you an opportunity as a Republican? It does. It does. As a political, you know, person that's been involved in campaigns for a long time, yeah. we generally feel that once you get to like August, when you get to this point in the season, it's very hard, even with great news, to have that change what the mm-hmm. is kind of baked into the election in November. We're down to three months basically, and so so the perception is already there. The perception on a daily basis, people are dealing with these problems and they're unhappy with it. I mean, you could have great job reports, but they probably needed to happen six months ago, probably for four or five, six months, and that might have changed the perception a little bit. Um, and I think right now people are generally so unhappy that they probably view these numbers because it's not what they're seeing on the shelves. They're viewing these numbers as maybe not honest. And so I'm not saying they're not honest, but what I'm saying is that there's skepticism in the voter, and the voter is, is going to see what's really right in front or, of them. Or as the, as the media is reporting these numbers – they're reporting them always, you know, it's, it's, it's above expectations. Right. They all re- are reporting them with, with at least a, a spin of positive news. And if a lot of people don't trust the media, then e- even if it's good news reported accurately, the public, many will not believe it. And I might add real quick, if you don't mind on that, I think it's interesting. Most people that I know don't think there's a lack of jobs out there. This is not the usual economic situation where people can't find a job. I think most everybody knows if they walk out tomorrow, from either their job or their couch, they can go find a job. It's just a lot of people don't want to, and a lot of folks uh, are in a job they're already in making pretty good money. What's your interpretation of the uh, 
alleged uh, need for, for employers? No, there's no doubt that you can find a job. That's not the issue anymore. The question is, can you find a job where it's an actual livable wage that you can pay your rent, your mortgage, your car payment without having to sweat every month? And right now, I don't believe that people out there are just lazy and they're sitting home doing nothing. Maybe there's some, but at the end of the day, people are being patient and they're looking for the right opportunities for the right pay. We've got a pause, 1-800-723-8029. Rush Darwish, Kent Gray, join us in studio. And Mike Miller is out there in beautiful state of Washington. I'm Bruce Dumont. That's shortly. Song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra. An exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
Bruce Dumont back, and uh, it's great to have you with us. And uh, our sign behind us is a little bit cockeyed, but uh, right now I'm speaking uh, to you out of the left side of my mouth because we've switched our microphones, so we'll see if we sound differently. Uh, before, during, the, during the break, uh, Kent, you uh, wanted a, you made a comment, and I asked you to put that on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just I think I think people and it, we, we're choking. This shouldn't all be bad news. There is a lot of good news about what's going on with the U.S. vis-a-vis the world. We're, we're a strong economy. We're coming back from COVID. Everybody else had COVID. It's not like we were the only ones that were hit. But the reality is, you've got uh oh, <laughs> there goes the sign. The sign is gone. But the um, you've got the reality of of this nine percent plus inflation, which could continue to go higher. And if it does, it's going to start a cascade of issues that are going to be problematic for a lot of voters. And that includes, uh, you know, the, the, the inflation rate drives the CPI. The CPI drives the prime rate. The prime rate, of course, resets most of our mortgages every five years. And as those roll through the economy and deal with credit card debt and everything else, it's going to get even more challenging. Inflation's tough because it, it, it gets a little bit of a, a headwind or a, a tailwind going, and it, it's hard to slow back down. And that's going to be the challenge for both parties over the next several years. Mike Miller, do you agree with that? Oh, yes, that's exactly right. One thing you have to keep under control is what is called inflationary expectations. That is, that is predicts inflation better than any other single indicator. And inflationary expectations are, um, they have been anchored low for the past couple of decades. And they have begun to tick up. And the Fed is acting so quickly and so aggressively to try to keep those um, expectations under control. And uh, I know that the uh, Congress just passed a bill. It's called the uh, in- anti-inflation bill or something. And, uh, of course, that bill will have essentially no effect at all upon inflation, especially no effect upon inflation that we're facing right now. The only game in town fighting the current inflation is the Federal Reserve. I want to get into uh, that legislation that you referenced. Uh, the Democrats have been looking for a victory uh, for a long time, uh, Rush. It appears that they have a victory now. They've got all 50 uh, U.S. senators, Democrat U.S. senators, supporting this as well as the vice president. So they're going to get a bill passed. Are you going to be pleased with that bill? Yeah, overall, first and foremost, whenever a bill of this magnitude, the one thing that I try very hard to is not think like a Democrat or Republican this is a bill that helps everyday people. I think there's certain parts of the uh, the bill that doesn't cover every single aspect, like such as, um, you know, my family diabetes runs rampant. And for the syringes and the medication for diabetes, there is nothing there to address it. But overall, I think it's going to help a lot of people, the middle class. And I believe within the bill, um, it does tax uh, corporations as well. And I think it's about time that happened. Kent, is this... Uh... Politically speaking, is this good or bad for the Republicans? Can they run against it, or are they yeah. going to have to play defensive? I think they can run against it. I mean, I, I don't think it's a great—I don't think it's the worst bill that's ever come down the pike. It's it's much smaller than what Build Back Better was uh, last year and at the beginning of this year. It's basically—it's the last chance the Democrats had to get a reconciliation bill done in this particular budget year, which ends in September. And they had—they only get that chance once a year, which is the reconciliation means they can mm-hmm. pass the bill— with 51 votes, not 60, to get past the filibuster. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to put something over the transom. They wanted to get past the finish line, and they did it with this bill. Uh, it's not a lot of stuff that Republicans particularly like. It's $400 billion in increased spending out of the get-go. But there are Democrats, and there are special interest groups on the Democrat side that will think 
that they like it. Now, there will be a lot of Democrats, frankly, that are unhappy with some of the things that are not in this bill, one of which is student loan forgiveness has been talked about and was a big deal of getting President Biden into office, I think. That has gotten thrown to the wayside again. Early um, childhood. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Paid there's a leave, lot. Family leave. Yeah. It, it reminds me, to be honest with you, when the Affordable Care Act came out, when uh, President Obama was in office, and at first it was aggressive, it was going to be for everyone, and then after going through, you know, going through the House, going through the Senate, going through the political ramifications of everything, uh, the Affordable Care Act turned out to be half of what it was supposed to be, and this bill also turned out to be around the same because some of the key components, as you all mentioned, you know, for junior college, which I'm a big supporter. I mean, how could we not have free junior college? I think that's something that should have been in that bill and should have happened. However, so it Joe didn't. Manchin didn't want it in that bill. Kirsten Sinema didn't want it in the bill. I mean, she, you know, she's probably you know a favorite in some boardrooms right now because that's she right. got, she got the the combined interest thing pulled out of this bill. But again, a, a lot of Democrats, including Bernie Sanders, didn't like that at all. Yeah, this this comes down to politics, and as mentioned, this is the hardest part of the world that we live in. It doesn't happen just in the United States. It happens everywhere where politics <clears throat> goes over people, and then that's what happened there. I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders says the, said the bill last week wasn't – I mean, he voted for it, but he said it was nothing particularly special and wasn't going to do anything to right. limit inflation. President Biden just a week ago basically said that it wasn't a particularly great bill. Um, and Although some there's something to be said about legislation that nobody really likes – might not be the worst legislation to pass. The Democrats have majorities in both houses. They have the president. They have this reconciliation ability to do something. Uh, as a Republican, honestly, I look at it and say they could have done a lot worse. So maybe we should just be quiet a little bit, let them sign it, and then and then beat them up over the few things that we think are, are probably bad. Uh, Russia, in your view, um, how should progressives react against not only this bill long term but how should they react when asked the question should joe biden run again where, where is the take us and i know there may be varying degrees of progressives and you don't speak for all of them but what's going through their mind if they figure they have a president now and likely for the future if it's joe biden that's going to always give them a half a loaf or considerably less than a full loaf yeah it's it's a very very <laughs> tight rope at the end of the day, when you look at Joe Biden and you look at Bernie Sanders, we, we have to go back to the previous election, is that although I do love, I love some of Bernie Sanders, some of his policies. However, when you talk about Rust Belt, Middle America, it doesn't resonate. So, yes, you're going to have, no matter what Biden does, you're going to have some progressives out there that are not going to support him. They're going to say that he, he just does not meet the, the progressive challenges that we face every day. However... Um, when you look at it from a political spectrum, still, I will say if President Biden is healthy enough that he should run. And I don't believe it's a good idea to hand off to anyone. That's the way I see it right now. But again, even you say if he if he's healthy, I mean, he's got to make sure that there's no more covid scares because, I mean, he, even though he, he had covid and now doesn't have it, according to his doctors, the fact that he is, you know, uh, in quarantine I mean, he's being treated like like an, an older man with an illness, and that's not that's not a positive place to be. Well, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, to some extent, the most successful week the Democrats have had this entire year 
has been the, the, the half a month that Joe Biden was locked in his bedroom up at the White House. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to some extent, it's not like he was over bending, twisting arms at the Capitol. This all got done. Um, one of my friends asked me, is this a, an accomplishment of Joe Biden? I said, it's an accomplishment of Chuck Schumer, and it's an accomplishment of Manchin and maybe Semina mm-hmm. and a few other people. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's Joe Biden. Uh, Mike, hey, uh, Bruce, a couple yeah, uh, comments. Yes. Uh, I guess we, you know, could we have a worse bill? Of course, the answer is yes. But there's, there's a couple of things about this. It was sold as one that would control inflation. And that's just utter nonsense. It, it affects, uh, say, the price of prescription drugs, which is a total of 1% of the uh, CPI basket. And so it, it has no, mathematically, it's be impossible to control inflation. The Wharton Penn model, the CBO both said it would have no effect upon inflation. It'll have, it'll reduce the size of the, of the deficit, that's what they said it would do, by a whopping 2 to 3% per year over the next 10 years. But that's, that's progress, but it's certainly not uh, the kind of progress that they're kind of promising. But here's one thing that does bother me, the timing of this. Interest rates are going up and they're going to continue to go up. This is going to slow down the economy. We're seeing some strains in in employment, uh, in in certain people getting fewer hours and so forth. We're seeing strains in the auto industry as well as in housing. And what do we do then? We throw a tax increase on top of it. So you have a double whammy of negative on the economy at a time that it might be entering recession. See, I'm not one that argues just two quarters of GDP declining is absolutely a recession, though that is one definition. And many of my colleagues say we are in recession. But the Democrats, I think the we're Democrats not quite are, there yet, but the de- we, we Mike, could be. The Democrats are arguing that this the, this is going to be high income people. This is corporations uh, that are that are going to pay this bill. Do you, so. Yeah, that's uh, almost they, irrelevant because what these corporations <laughs> use that money to invest. They have to pay people. They will have fewer dollars to pay people. They'll have fewer dollars to invest. And then on top of it, a lot of the money goes into the IRS to allow them to have 87,000 or whatever the number of, of new agents they're going to go after. And who are they going to go after? They're not going over left, uh, you know, large corporations which have uh, armies of, of CPAs and, and um, lawyers. They're going to go after small businesses. It's going to have a negative effect upon those small businesses in terms of trying to, to uh, you know, live to the exact letter of the law of the IRS. And, you know, that, would, that could make sense if I thought for a second, for example, that the studies show you can call the IRS asking for advice or an answer on a particular question. And if you call five times, you'll get five different answers. How can somebody think that they're doing it right? And then have the IRS on their backs when we have eighty, you know, all these new dollars, a, you know, flowing to the from IRS. A, from a, so wanna, the, the bill ask, could, you know, the bill does have some negatives to it. I want to ask uh, Kent: is is that the biggest political uh, pill to swallow? Uh, uh, insofar as what Republicans can do, the IRS with eighty-seven thousand more investigators is is that going to be hard to sell to, to voters that that's a good idea? It's going to be hard to sell to Republicans, but I will tell you the one thing I wanted to comment on really quickly. You don't think is, Democrats? Well, yes, but the, the the CBO apparently scored this this bill at a tax hike for 97 percent of middle income Americans. If that's true, if that's what the Republicans use in the fall, that's the only thing they need to say. Okay, back shortly. I'm Bruce Dumont. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. From coast to coast and border to border, Rush Darwich, Mike Miller, and Kent Gray join us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. Bye, Bench Press. 
Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top-10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and in studio we have Rush Darwish and Kent Gray, and although they are disagreeing, although they agree on a number of things this evening as well, uh, they have one thing in common. They have both been to the polls... (laughs) And the poll said, no, thank you. Rush Darwish, a couple of years ago, you ran for Congress. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do when you're not here. I've described you as a businessman, as a Democrat, and you're evolving as a regular panelist on this program, which we appreciate. But uh, what else do you do? Well, thank you so much, Bruce. Uh, Yes, I do own and operate Rush Productions. It's a multimedia production company. Mm -hmm. And also I'm the president of the Arab American Business and Professional Association. Plus we have a retail division as well. And we have another organization I uh, founded a couple years ago called the Refugee Life Foundation. We do various events via running and walking. 
uh, to raise mu- funds for various refugee causes. And where are the refugees that you are most concerned about? Yeah, it's it's everywhere. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we we just did a fundraiser for the Ukrainian refugees. Uh, we ran a a marathon on the track to help raise uh, goods for them. That's right, twenty six miles. Twenty six people each ran a mile each. Um, and also, you know, the Afghanis who, who came in uh, last year, we just distributed our rental assistance checks with them just two weeks ago where we met with the families and gave them all uh, checks to 30 different families to help them out with rental assistance. So anywhere where we see a problem, we will run and walk for them. Okay. Uh, Kent Gray, you uh, were rejected by uh, voters. Soundly. In a, in a, <laughs> I wasn't getting into specific. Man, Bruce, Bruce keeps it, he keeps it real when it comes to us losing, man. Well, listen, yeah, in 1970, I ran for the state Senate, and I lost, too. And I think I can remember what I lost by, but yep. it was not close. And my dad ran for Congress, and he lost. Okay, very so. good, as, as did mine. So there we go. Uh, question to you is, uh, it was in Southern Illinois. It was the state legislative race. Yep. But tell us what else you have done in, in, in as part of your recovery effort. From yeah, this. exactly. So I'm a, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to recover from politics. I'm a longtime uh, political uh, hack slash activist slash uh, office holder. I was a community college trustee for 18 years and chairman of one. So we talk about free community college if anybody wants to talk about that. Um, worked on a lot of campaigns, worked for the Bush White House, the Trump White House, ran Trump's campaign here in Illinois in the primary in 16. And, and early in Trump. I was, I was basically the... Summer of 2015, I was I wasn't I was on the payroll September one, but I I joined up basically midsummer of 15. You don't get much earlier than that if you're not family. Are you still family? Uh, yeah. I mean, I still I still talk to those guys a lot. I was at the Quincy rally that we had here in Illinois a couple months ago. Saw a ton of people that I know. Uh, I stay in contact with them. Illinois is a tough situation though. They needed Illinois for the Republican National Convention, the delegates in 2016. And they weren't going to win it in 2016 in the fall, and they weren't going to they weren't going to need the delegates in 20 because he was he was uh, running for reelection. Yeah, and they weren't he wasn't going to win it in 20, and he's not going to win Illinois in 24. And I've told him before he's probably not going to win Illinois, and he laughs. He goes, "People tell me I'm going to win Illinois," and I'm like, "Sir, it's not going to happen." <laughs> uh, Bruce, if you don't mind me asking sure. Kent a question, I mean, okay, so you got to know Donald Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it's not about policy. My biggest issue with Donald Trump isn't uh, his you know his feelings about immigration and so on and so forth it's really just how he behaves i mean look i know you work with him and maybe there's a chance you're going to work with the guy again but you know i'm i'm certain you know him a lot better than i do is he kind of like the buffoon that i see you know in, you know when i'm watching tv no you know the best way to describe this is i think it, he is a a northeast personality and so I tell everybody back when I was going through this stuff, I said, if we elected Chris Christie or Governor Cuomo to be president, there would be a lot of the country that doesn't like the way that they react to stuff because they're New Yorkers or Philadelphia or mm-hmm. New Jersey or whatever. And then on top of that, it's, it's, it's Trump. <laughs> I mean, there's another yeah. 25% Trump bump on that that is this braggadocious personality of a guy who has been married to three supermodels and is a billionaire and has been a Democrat, has been a Republican, has been an Independent. He is a very interesting guy. And I will tell you behind the and scenes. he's a TV star. And he's a TV yeah. star. And yeah. behind the scenes, he's actually very affable, uh, enjoyable to spend time with. I've never been yelled at by him, and I've screwed stuff up around, you know, around him. Um, he, he's actually enjoyable to be around. A lot of it is, frankly, an act. <clears throat> the hair is an act. His personality is a bit of an act. Um, 
it's a little bit like, you know, Bush. I worked for President Bush, too. A lot of people said, oh, he doesn't speak very well. He's not very bright. He's whatever. That He went to Harvard and Yale. None of these guys, Democrat or Republican, are as dumb as their opponents think they are or as smart as their supporters think they are. Well said. Mike Miller, tell us who you are. Oh, boy, I've had a boring life compared to these guys. <laughs> so, hey, Especially Liz, Trump. I, I, left, uh, I got a Ph.D. at University of Pittsburgh in 1980, and I've had one job since then. I teach at DePaul. I love teaching. Uh, teaching macroeconomics to mm-hmm. students is it, it's almost like a natural high. Uh, I do some research. Most of it is on the economy of a little country in the Middle East called Bahrain, and I'll be lucky enough to go back to Bahrain and teach a, a cohort of uh, MBA students uh, this coming October. I'm looking forward to that very much. Well, I said to you before the program, and I will say it again, uh, for those who are watching us on television, you look a great deal like the former vice president, uh, Dick Cheney. And a lot of people saw Dick Cheney again this past week because in the hotly, I don't know if it's so hotly contested, but it certainly is hotly covered by the national news media. Uh, Liz Cheney, who is running for re-election in uh, Wyoming, uh, who is, uh, at least according to the polls, is running uh, very badly behind her challenger, her Trump-inspired challenger. Uh, and uh, the voters a week from Tuesday are going to decide her future. But uh, sh- she got a big bump last week, at least as far as the national news media is concerned, because her father decided to make a TV commercial for her. And we are going to play that commercial right now. And you can all remark, if you're watching on TV, how much Dick Cheney looks like our friend Mike Miller. In our nation's 246 year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from the fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. I'm Liz Cheney, and I approve this message. Well, first of all, Mike Miller, you look a lot younger than that. I want to make that point. Yeah. But I want to get... Uh, wanna, thank you, and I hope I sound younger. That's what matters. Well, I, I want to get to whether that's a powerful spot or not. Uh, Kent Gray, uh, you're a Trumpster. Uh, I'm also is, a Bushster, if that's one. I yeah, mean, well, I, yeah. is, you know. is, that, is that as powerful as I think it is? Uh, probably not in Wyoming in the Republican primary. Probably not right now. I mean, it's a good message. It's fine. But I mean, and, and I like Dick Cheney. I mean, I worked under in that administration. I didn't do a lot for, for Vice President Cheney, but uh, but I think very highly of him, and I've spent time with him too. Um, this has gotten to be a clash of personalities, along with the Jeb Bush Donald Trump thing, the McCain, and I worked for John McCain too, yeah. the McCain Trump issues. Um, and this has just basically turned into a grudge match between people who don't like each other and, frankly, are able to fight their own fight. How much is Liz Cheney and her leadership of the House Impeachment Committee, or not Impeachment Committee, 
Uh, no, it's the third impeachment. Committee, Jan- it really is. The January 6th insurrection. How much of it is get even? Because uh, d- d- her father was vilified by Donald Trump, as was uh, George Bush. And that was during a primary. And Republican primary voters agreed with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And yeah. before uh, Donald Trump, was the most vilified politician in America, her father was, mm-hmm. as Darth Vader. Yeah. I mean, nobody said anything, no, no, conserv- anyway, if you weren't a conservative Republican, nobody ever said anything nice about Dick Cheney. And yet his daughter is coming out, and she is, she's trying to resurrect the family name. She, uh, Donald Trump has given her a lot of ammunition. Oh, yes. And a lot of that, is, that. Is, self, is self-inflicted. He does that. My, my joke is, if you like baseball, the one analogy I always use with Donald Trump is, if there's a pitch, he swings at it. He does not have a good eye for the ball. I mean, it, it could be, it could be, it could be, it could be high outside against the wall, hitting the backstop, and he's swinging at it. And I wish he wouldn't do that. We we're talking before the show. I wish he was a little more, uh, a little more, you know, controlled in what he talks about because he does get off, he does get off the beaten path on stuff. But on the on the other hand, people that like him love him for that. People that don't like him really don't like him for that. It, it basically breaks down to that. But is this, is, is this viewed as a, as a father trying to help his daughter, or is it is it talking to the Bush-Cheney Republicans who literally had their nose rubbed in it by Donald Trump in 2016, and this is their way to fight back. And obviously they have, they have Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to a lesser yeah. degree. They have them out there trying to defeat Donald Trump. And as, as uh, the Vice President Cheney said, if there's no greater thing that, he can, that she can ever do but keep him from getting close to the White House again, that seems to be a very strong message because that's the message that Democrats have as well. Well, first off, I, I find it to be very humorous that Dick Cheney is talking about Donald Trump and telling the truth when this is a man that convinced Americans that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction Billions of dollars were spent, thousands and thousands of lives lives lost, and Dick Cheney's talking about truth and honesty. I find that to be hilarious. But for Liz Cheney, she's standing up for justice. She's standing up for what's right, but it doesn't matter. You're either with Trump or against him. And in Wyoming, they love Trump. Liz Cheney is out. Justice doesn't matter, and that's sad. Okay, on that note, we pause, and then we'll be back with more conversation. Don't go away. I'm Bruce Dumont. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. 
Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We are back with one more segment uh, with uh, Mike Miller, including Mike Miller. And then uh, we are going to be joined uh, at uh, our halfway break uh, this evening. We're going to be joined uh, by Doug Griffith, and he is a union leader in Houston, Texas, the Houston Police Department. And we're going to talk about the the growing number of attacks on police officers, unsolicited attacks on police officers and uh, the disrespect for law and order that goes along with that. We've tried to find out solutions to how we might rectify that issue. Uh, but first, we want to talk about uh, Speaker Pelosi. We've gone 50 minutes into the program. Speaker Pelosi, um, are you a big fan of her trip to Taiwan? Was that a good thing? To be honest with you guys, I read a ton of articles about it, and I still never understood the real reason why it was so important in this given time to go. So as much as I'm here to, you know, give you the Democratic line or, you know, support Democrats, but I just never understood why at this point. I understand that she did get some prestigious award, but uh, it seems like it was more, it seemed politicized, and I did not understand fully why it was that important to go at this moment. Mike Miller, do you have a position on uh, Speaker Pelosi? Did she do a good job? It's pretty much the same as uh, Rush. I I don't quite get it. And it seemed to me, maybe I'm misreading what's going on. It seems almost like there's a split between the Speaker of the House, who doesn't take care of uh, uh, foreign affair, uh, foreign uh, policy, and the president. The president's right. spokesperson said in uh, that that they do not support the independence of Taiwan, 
And she goes there and says, essentially, we will protect you if something happens. Uh, to me, that's that's a split in the uh, Democrats uh, between the Speaker of the House and the President. And I find that very troublesome, very troublesome. Agree. Kev, Gray. You know, in times when things are a little quieter, I don't. I wouldn't have had a problem with that that visit yeah. by Speaker Pelosi. Uh, Speaker Gingrich did it back in 1997. Um, I, 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 overall, I don't have a problem in in showing support for Taiwan. I do believe they're a great ally, and it's a complicated you know situation that we're in. But but at this particular time, with everything that's going on in Ukraine with Putin, we don't really know what what's going on in Putin's head. Frankly, we don't know what's going on with President Xi either. He has basically been closeted for the entire COVID uh, time in China. And so I think with Speaker Pelosi going there, it seems to me there's no upside that is worth the downside of what is going on. There's going to be the loss of does, lives probably of service people. Does it does it bother you that a number of Republicans, high visibility Republicans during the last 10 days uh, said some pretty nice things about Speaker Pelosi? Well, because I mean, over, this was an opportunity well, I mean, for overall, her to kind of speak out to a conservative base that yeah. normally would cheer anybody that's talking about independence uh, uh, for Taiwan. And I don't have a problem with U.S. officials. I'm not talking Republican or Democrat. I'm talking yeah. about Americans speaking out against the abuses that China does on its population and how messed up that system is. That is a, just like Ronald Reagan spoke out about the Soviet Union, that is not something that I think is a bad idea but there is timing to be considered, and I don't know that her doing this right now and giving the Chinese an excuse to play some games that they may or may not play, we just don't know what's going on in their mind right now. And if they overcorrect or they overreact to this, it, it could be calamitous. Uh, changing subject. Last week, uh, the voters of Kansas shocked the political world. Uh, by by voting a a, a pro-choice uh, line in in, in Arizona, in, well, that that's a very broad interpretation. But they they did not do what a lot of political prognosticators thought they were going to do because it's one of the most conservative states, and they voted they voted against that perspective. Now, my question to you was: Was that the biggest political story of the week, or was it in Arizona, where Donald Trump and his candidates? swept all of the primary statewide races. I would say that Arizona was... Well, I think short run, it's a big, it's a big uh, question, a big answer. Uh, but of course, this is exactly what Republicans have wanted all along. They said, let the people decide. And this is a case of the people deciding. The Arizona case, of course, will have long-term consequences uh, because it, will, it could change the fundamental numbers within the, uh, within the government. And, who gets control, whether Democrats or the Republicans. Kent, your reaction. Well, I was just going to say, I, you know, I think Arizona, that's an important win for, for uh, President Trump. That that was a big slate of endorsements that he wanted to win. Kansas was a big deal, and as, as a, as a pro-life and as a lawyer, you know, changing the Constitution is a big deal. Kansas is not as ruby-red as everybody makes it out to be. They elect Democratic governors and have, and, I mean, there's some stuff there. And I know a lot of Republicans that are friends of mine who would consider themselves pro-life, and I don't know that they would vote themselves for a constitutional amendment that would ban all abortion. Mm -hmm. So the key to the, the Dobbs decision going forward is going to be what let the voters pick in, in a spectrum, depending on whether you live in New York or California or Kansas or Illinois or North Dakota, what kind of laws you want to have doesn't, to govern you. Rush, doesn't this sort of cut into the uh, attitude of the sky is falling 
that the uh, the, the pro pro choice or pro abortion constituency asks for and wants in this country and is so upset about the Supreme Court decision, uh, can they be satisfied by saying, okay, you wanted the public to decide, and here's one state, a red state, that decided, so you know what, we can't continue, even though even though the, the, uh, the legislators in Indiana came down and legislatively ended abortion in the Hoosier state, um, can they be placated and basically sold, you know what, don't tell women that, you know, their life is going to be ruined forever. They may have to cross a state line to get an abortion. But stop with the hysteria, because it seems to me that the more you talk about hysteria, you're talking against what happened in Kansas, which I don't think was hysterical. No, I think it was historical. I, I, I was actually shocked. Yeah. When I when I, I I agree that Kansas historically is not as red as people make it out to be, but red enough where the people have spoken and momentum in politics, as you know, Kent, can be unbelievable. And this could be a true wave. But you know what? At the end of the day, I respect the fact that Kent believes that he, he's he's pro life. I respect that. But I also respect anyone who believes that they have a choice. And I think in November, in the midterms, that is going to be the real referendum that we haven't talked about much. Okay. we got to pause. Mike Miller, thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next month. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top-10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. <sighs> Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. 
Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge. Or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 82822. Restrictions apply. Call for details. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Beth, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Kent Gray, our Republican, Rush Darwish, our Democrat, they continue to join me here in the studio at Elk Grove Village. And uh, we are now joined from uh, his home in Austin, I'm sorry, in Houston, Texas. Douglas uh, Griffith joins us. He is with the Houston Police Officers Union. He's been a police officer for over 29 years in uh, Houston, Texas. And uh, uh, Officer Griffith, it's nice to have you with us on Beyond the Beltway this evening. Thank you for having me this evening. I appreciate it. I'd, li- I'd like to begin because, there, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to have a police officer on the air, and we don't get that opportunity uh, very often to have one that's actually, you know, in still in uniform and, and is aware of what's going on in the streets of his or her city, um, it, it's, it's good to hear about from them about what morale is like because the national news media talks about the morale or the lessening, the lowering morale that exists in police departments around the country. And I just wanted to get your sense of where do you think morale is in the Houston Police Department? And uh, is it good or bad? And if so, why? Well, the officers of the Houston Police Department work very, very hard every day. They go out there doing a job that a lot of people don't want to do. Uh, They go out there and, and try to protect the community. With the things that have taken place over the last few years, it's been very, very difficult for us to recruit and retain a lot of these officers. Uh, With our progressive judges here in in Harris County, we've had even a bigger problem because they tend to let them out as soon as we put them in. They feel that they are, you know, required to give a bond for every single case we take to them, and it's just not accurate. We have people with 10 and 12 felony bonds that will get another case of aggravated robbery and be released back on the streets on the low bond. Now, around the country, uh, George Soros has been identified, the billionaire, as the person who funds a lot of these state's attorney races uh, around or district attorney races around the country. Is is that the problem in uh, in Houston, Texas, as well? Is is George Soros politically involved in your local politics with the prosecutors? He was when she ran uh, four years ago. Actually, I'm sorry, it was longer than that. But she was backed by him originally. And then uh, she wasn't liberal enough for him. So he ran someone against her in her own primary. Now, luckily, she won. She used to be a Republican 
back years and years ago and switched sides for whatever reason. But she was a, known for being a real go-getter and going after gang members. She was actually a gang prosecutor with Harris County for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I worked very closely with her because I was a gang officer for 20-plus years. Somewhere in the middle, she, she kind of diverted. She is back now uh, because she understands that these courts are making her look bad. These courts are giving these bonds, even though 1,500 times in the last two years, she has requested that a defendant get no bond or held without held without bond or a higher bond. Yet the judges just continue to give them low bonds and let them go. We have 112 people in Harris County on bond for capital murder. That means they committed more than one murder or they did a commission of a felony offense or they killed a child or an elderly person. That's just unheard of. And we're seeing it time and time again here in Harris County. Okay. Since politics in this country is supposed to be decided at the ballot box, uh, has there not been a concerted effort by those who uh, dislike and disprove of your local district attorney uh, to engage in a political contest that throws her out of the office? And I ask that question literally of every jurisdiction in the United States. If a bad district attorney got there, because of the political process, in many cases funded by George Soros, is there not someone or is there not some force out there that can raise an equal or larger amount of money to have that liberal, progressive district attorney thrown out, as opposed to just pointing your finger and blaming George Soros for out-organizing them? Can they beat him at the polls? I think they can. The citizens have to get tired of it. Uh, we actually ran one of our HPOU, the Houston Police Officer Attorneys, against Kim Ogg uh, when she ran last time. And it was a 46-54 split. And the main reason was because of COVID. Our candidate could not get out in public because everything was shut down with COVID. And I think we would have had a much tighter race and maybe even have a Republican in that position right now had we not had those, those issues. But again, it takes the, the citizenry to stand up and pay attention. We have to get away from this uh, you know, voting block. We have to go in there and vote for the best person for the job, period. And a lot of times we have people going there, our judges that here in Harris County that were swept back with Beto O'Rourke ran against Greg Abbott, they swept all of our courts. There was only one Republican left in our court system, one. And they are no longer there. So we have all these liberal judges. Luckily, we went after them really, really hard in the last uh, primary, and their own party killed them in the primary. We have six judges in Harris County in the felony courts that are going to be removed from the bench come January 1, and we're hoping they're going to be replaced with Republican candidates. Okay. I want, I want to bring uh, Kent Gray, who's a Republican operative, into our discussion, and let me, let me ask you that same question. Uh, s- since everyone wants to bring this down to an elective position, should Donald Trump or or other Republicans, since they rail against these district attorneys all the time, and Donald Trump does, as does Fox News, as does many, as do many newspapers, is there is there no way to organize and get these men and women thrown out? And should that be a higher calling by Donald Trump or Republicans? who really want law and order. In other words, put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, it is a, 
it is something that we ought to find somebody who's an equivalent of a George Soros. You know, whether it's a, you know, in Illinois we talk about Dick Uline and Ken Griffin and, and billionaires that float around with money that want mm -hmm. to make changes in society. <clears throat> Interestingly, by the way, I've, I've run for judge and I've run for state's attorney in Illinois too. Lost both those races. Um, so I know a lot about those particular issues. You know, every state has a different setup on how their state's attorney, district attorney, prosecutorial side works, how their judges are handled. A lot of states actually appoint their judges, and they're not elected. Illinois and obviously Texas that we're talking about uh, elect their judges. Interestingly, it, is this more, I mean, if from your perspective, and then I want to get to Doug's response, is this more of a judge problem or a state's attorney's problem? It, it is it is a bit of both. It sounds like in Houston, though, the judges are a bigger problem than even this this prosecutor. It sounds like this prosecutor is not a great a great choice right now. But it sounds like the judges are the ones who are basically. Doug, is that correct? Are the that judges is correct. The problem? And, and it's funny because you know we've had our our battles with Kim Og here in Harris County, but right now, believe it or not, she is the one that is going after our commissioner's court. Who uh, we've had several of them. Uh, they're, I guess, they're flunkies indicted recently for you know different scams that they had they're taking money from as a city employee i'm a little bit different in that manner we don't really deal with the county that much except in the court system and with the da and they the da has went and asked for extra bodies extra money we have a case backload of almost a hundred thousand felony and misdemeanor cases i did a study recently just in one week in municipal courts Kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I'm, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. 
If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <coughs> Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Rush Darwish is our Democrat this evening, and he's been listening to this conversation about uh, uh, alleged malfeasance by Democrat uh, judges and uh, state's attorneys all over the United States, many of them funded by George Soros. It isn't just in one city. Uh, we're talking about Houston, Texas this evening, but it's in Chicago and, and New York and a lot of other places. F as a Democrat, and you've run for Congress, um, where are the Democrats on the crime issue? Well, first of all, it's it's a loaded. This is a very loaded topic. I mean, you've yeah. got you've got two sides here. You've got the political side of this, yeah. and then you have as as we're discussing here the, the the criminal aspect. The thing is, at least I'll speak of Chicago. You have a a large voter base that's Latino, uh, Latino X, African American, and they, by and large, believe that the system does not treat them fairly, does not treat them uh, equally and believes the system works against them. They believe that a lot of people who are arrested and go to jail, that um, they are done wrong. And guess what? The people are vo who vote are the ones who are voting for judges and state's attorney like Kim Fox who don't want to prosecute hard and don't want to be hard on crime because they believe that there's a lot of people who are being prosecuted aren't the criminals. They believe the system are the criminals and this is why we're in the situation that we are in today so what this comes down to from the political aspect whether you're a mayor or uh, kim fox is that you are looking at your voter universe kent you're a political guy so if you go out and you get hard on crime and you talk about we're going to make more arrests we're going to put more people in jail essentially what you're saying is we are that that translates to more african african americans will be arrested more uh latin x will be arrested and the end result is those people who create those laws or support that will not be elected. They will lose their jobs. And that's why you have this tangled web right now where, once again, politics prevails. And you have a lot of situations in the streets of Chicago, and I'm certain the same in the streets of Houston. Real crime is happening, but you can't have real solutions because of the fact that you may lose your job. People don't want to lose their job. Democrats don't want to lose a grip on power. And the Republicans, let's be honest, they think the same way. And that's a problem. Doug Griffith, your reaction to that assessment from Rush? I agree uh, somewhat on that because 
these, it's all about power. And once you get in these positions of power, you don't want to give it up. Instead of just doing the right thing, you're worried about a voter, voter base. I'm sorry. I'm not here to try to get votes. I'm here to do what needs to be done. For us law enforcement officers, we go out there every single day, and we have to deal with these same crooks over and over. And when they get out of jail on a $100 bond for a felony, that get, there's no repercussions for their actions. So that emboldens them. Right, but We have had more shootings this year. We are probably right around 21 officer-involved shootings this year when we had 15 all of last year. And it's getting out of control, and we're trying to find a way to deal with it, but we don't have enough officers. And we can't hire because nobody wants to do the job. And why uh, Rush, would you with yeah. this kind of rhetoric going around? Rush. Now, remember, Doug, as someone like me who's Arab-American, as a youngster who, uh, in several occasions, you get pulled over by a police officer, you are spoken in a way that you are a criminal at the moment that you are stopped. And you know how many stories that happen are still happening today, but happening much less. But historically, how many African-Americans, uh, how many Hispanics were arrested, were jailed, um, and they did not commit the crime. And that's why all of a sudden we've had this, what I call, you go from one extreme and now you go from another extreme. I don't know what the solution is with the balance, but but it's important to know, Doug, that this didn't happen just because people don't want to prosecute. There's a reason why, why law enforcement officers are dealing with this in a way. And I'm not saying every case because by and large, most most police officers do a great job. They want to do what's right. But there's enough bad apples that's kind of caused this uh, unlawful chaos. Doug, speak speak to the. And I'm, I'm going to bad apples. Oh, we don't want a crooked cop on our department. Period. As vice president, I was on a discipline committee, and I voted to fire many officers because I don't want them tarnishing the badge. I've worked 31 years. For. Now, on top of that, I'm going to call BS on a lot of that because we now have body cameras. Body cameras tell the story. Period. I don't care what color you are, black, white, green. I don't care if you're a little Martian. If you're committing a crime, you need to go to jail and be held accountable, period. It has nothing to do with race now. That's why we have body cameras, accountability. Well, how about we hold criminals accountable? That, I mean, it seems pretty pretty easy to me. In the in the world of uh, body cameras, the, the, the post-body camera era, do you believe that most of those stories told by the body cameras, are they supportive of the police or are they supportive of the perpetrator? Because it seems to me, and this is just a pure gut, it's based on no, no evidence at all. It seems to me that the body cameras that, that capture a police officer are reacting in a very aggressive way. I'll, I'll leave it at that that those videos tend to get media coverage and expansion far more often than one that would show a perpetrator uh, beating up or attacking a police officer. Would you agree with that assessment of who is taking advantage of these, uh, uh, of these body cameras, at least in the public sector? Doug? I will tell you right now, there are thousands daily videos of officers doing good work going out there serving the community there's nothing they've ever done wrong they go out there every day and just work hard you'll have one viral video that'll get out and you're going man why do you do that i've done it i've looked at videos and been critical of them not an issue if there's a problem let's deal with it and move forward but to throw a blanket out there and say 
you know what, because this was a bad incident, we're going to play that over and over and over. Well, what about the five people whose lives were saved today in, in, in the state of Texas alone? Nobody's going to talk about that. Right. Those are just going to go under the radar. Why? Because we're going to go out there and do our job, period. So I just want to bring a story that's happening right now with the Oaklawn uh, Police Office, uh, police Department, uh, Douglas. Oaklawn is a big suburban city uh, just outside of Chicago. 17-year-old uh, young man is uh, carrying a gun. I'm not sure exactly what he was doing, but nothing to our understanding. Well, first of all, he was never charged, but uh, he saw the police. He ended up running. The police ended up catching him, and it's caught on video if you look up uh, Oaklawn Police Department. And yeah. they they brutally beat, beat this kid. They punched him and punched him repeatedly. He was hospitalized for a week. Three, four police officers on top of him. Rodney King-level beatdown over what? He's in the hospital, and guess what? They end up not charging him. So these are the stories where I agree with you, Douglas, 100%. But here is the problem. These type of situations should never happen. How could police officers, when they, they take an oath to serve and protect, how do you restrain a 17-year-old? You have three, four officers. Why? Why in God's earth would you beat a kid down to that point? And those are the stories that, yes, put the police, uh, the police nation in, in a bad light, and it is because of the surveillance. It is because of these, these cameras. Yep. I would point out, and I Bruce, agree with you. If there's an issue that needs to be addressed, let's address it and move forward. That's not an issue for me. If you're doing wrong as an officer, you need to be held accountable. How often does that happen in that, Houston? That the majority of our officers go out every day, and there's video after video after video. I mean, in the city of Houston alone, we had two million traffic stops last year. We had 15 officer-involved shootings. Not a one was bad. Not one, because our officers on camera are doing the right thing. Well, you, and you also, can't tell me that's not the majority of officers across this country. You're I agree right. with yes. you, Douglas. Oh, I agree. Of course there will be. Then we deal with them, we move forward. You also have a history with your department where, where police officers have been set up and ambushed and they've been assassinated more than in other cities of the United States, as I recall. Is that true? Is my memory correct here? Yes, sir. In the last year and a half, we had two of our, actually three, of our uh, supervisors, one, uh, two supervisors, an officer, that were going out. One was serving a warrant. The guy had set up a like a, almost like a sniper's nest upstairs. They're open. They get the door open. They're calling him out. The guy comes out with a fully automatic uh, Glock, 30 mm-hmm. rounds. Officer never knew what hit him. He dropped instantly and passed away right there. We had another sergeant. He was shot. He was down. He couldn't move. The guy walked up and just put two more rounds in the back of his head. That's unacceptable. We have to find a way to curtail that activity because as we see it now, we can't pay our guys enough. You can't retain them. They're going out for public sector jobs on a regular basis. Or they're going to smaller departments where they don't have to deal with the politics. And unless we do something to curb this, our classes are supposed to be 70 each. The last two were 48 and 45. That's just not, that's not acceptable. I mean, we have, what, twice the landmass of Chicago, twice, 677 square miles. Wow. Now, Chicago has about 2.5 you know, million people. We have 2.25, so there's a quarter million more people. But when you start looking at the numbers, Chicago has almost 12,000 officers. We have 5,100. Oh, wow. It's, it's insane. Yeah, another thing, and I'm sorry for, and I know Kent mentioned this early in the show about people who are out getting a job or some people aren't getting a job. The problem is that I noticed, Douglas, is that historically, 
when we used to talk about being a police officer, when you go around in a classroom like a third grade class, you, you'd have at least, you know, 20 kids in a class, at least six or seven would raise yeah. their hand and say, I want to be a police officer. Yes. The problem is because of this new wave of negative attention that have reached officers, justifiable or not, but the glory of being a police officer is unfortunately gone. Like people are not inspired anymore to serve in that capacity. And Douglas, look what you just mentioned, and it's and it's public as well. The story of uh, somebody getting ambushed and getting shot up. People are now are looking at the police officer job. It's a tough job that doesn't Very pay dangerous. enough for people. So the question is, you know, what can you do to make it more enticing? And when we come back, Doug, I want to get your reaction to that. But also when we come back, uh, there are growing incidents where uh, perpetrators have deliberately gone after the police. There may not have been a police incident, but they've gone out and attacked the police officers. We have some examples of that, uh, most notably from New York City, where it happens frequently. I'm sure it may happen in Houston as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Don't go away. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. 
We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. back and uh, Doug Griffith uh, we're going to let you uh, uh, give a little background on yourself because our other guests uh, have shared their backgrounds with our audience so uh, give us an extra 30 seconds we mentioned that you've been an officer for 29 years in Houston but uh, tell us what type of work you've been doing for those three decades uh, yes sir I actually come on in 1990 uh, as a rookie uh, went through cadet class 142 here at the Houston Police Department I uh, worked patrol two years, and then I started, I was asked to participate in the first gang task force units that were uh, in our city. With the epidemic of crack and everything going on at the time, we had a lot of homicides. So I was in the gang unit for 24 years after that, and then I transitioned over to a tactical operations unit, uh, which is basically your criminal of the day. We'd go after robbery suspects, burglary suspects, what, whatever was terrorizing neighborhoods, what we went after. I've been extremely blessed. Uh, on this department for all those years. And in 2008, I was elected to the board of the Houston Police Officers Union, and here I am today as the president. I never expected that, nor did any of the guys I work with expect that, but I'm here. So good Lord puts you where when, he wants you when he wants you there. When, uh, when an incident occurs in Houston, and you've looked at the video, if there is video, how do you deal with it? As a union president, you're supposed to protect your men and women in, in blue, but what happens if you look at a piece of video and you in your heart and in your mind say, you know what, this person really screwed up. How do you deal with it or do you automatically have to defend them? Well, they have the right to an attorney. They have a right to an arbitration process and we will make sure they receive those. Uh, as far as supporting them and making sure that the union steps out and, and comments on it, we don't have to do that. Uh, we make sure they, they receive the proper legal counsel that they would need, and we take care of their arbitration costs. There's times that we disagree with that vehemently. Uh, there's times when guys go out, guys or girls, go outside their scope as a police officer. Uh, and if they do that, then we will not represent them. Uh, everything is based upon course and scope of your officer, your job as a law enforcement officer. And there are a lot of things that happen that occur where our officers get fired for things that are, are not related to law enforcement whatsoever. Well, that's good because my perception is in Chicago, uh, the union always, they always will come to the defense of the officer in question regardless of what the video shows. And it seems to me that it's automatic. And if you ever... If you ever wanted the other side of, of a story that's evolving in Chicago, it's very difficult to get the police union to acknowledge any potential wrongdoing. And in many cases, it seems to me that it's, it's very obvious uh, what the wrongdoing is. And again, when those cases are dismissed or uh, adjudicated and, and, and with no, no culpability found, uh, that tends to, I think, exacerbate uh, the difference between the minority community and the police community, and uh, it, it just it, it makes things worse. And I, I just wish that there could be a little more honesty 
And again, it sounds like, at least in Houston, you're telling us you do a good job, but I, I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, the job that's being done uh, you know, in Chicago and other areas. By the way, I mentioned before the break, one thing that we see periodically <coughs> is we see evidence based on the uh, body cameras. We see evidence of what a police officer goes through. And in many cases, uh, it, it, turns, it turns violent. And in some cases, uh, uh, it just is a, it's a, it's a window inside <coughs> the world of what it's like to be a police officer. And this is, this is real police officer doing work. It isn't necessarily watching the most recent episode of Cops. But I, I want to take a moment now to, to play a piece of video, share it with the audience. Uh, this was from a recent incident in New York. It appears that they were out on a, on a, on a uh, they were working a case on a street in New York. And uh, the, the, uh, the neighbors got involved in a very negative way towards the police. But it shows you what the police officer, at least on the streets in New York City, go through. And I want to get a sense of to what extent does this happen in cities around the United States. Here is that video from New York City. Why Police officers being pelted with bottles, uh, obscenities, which obviously you would expect in a case like that. Uh, Doug, I don't know whether you were able to see that video or not, but I'm sure you've seen similar videos where police officers are doing a job of, of trying to, you know, stop violence, and suddenly the crowd turns on them. How often does that happen in the police work that you're aware of in Houston, Texas? We've had that happen a couple of times here. Uh, luckily, we have been able to put a stop to it really, really quickly. We have REACT teams in, in almost every station that are that are prepared for that kind of thing. We have CST teams, cross-expression teams, that their their primary job is to go after the criminal day, like I said earlier, and they are prepared for an incident like that. Uh, sadly, we've had other incidents here. Uh, we have one of our officers just walking through the mall. Some guy runs up behind him, sucker punches him, tries to take his weapon. The fight's on. Luckily, another officer saw it and jumped in and intervened, and they were able to get him in custody. Then a few months later, same mall. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a different mall. But an officer tried to escort a guy out. He was sucker punched, knocked to the ground. 
the guy got on top of him, just beat the tar out of him, then pulled his own service weapon out and shot him with it nine times in the head. That's just, there are very few repercussions we have here in the city of Houston that address situations like that. These officers go out there every day not knowing if they're going to go home. Do we have guys that do wrong? Yeah, hell yeah, we do. It's a, it's a human job. Anytime you have humans doing anything, there's going to be mistakes. I get that. We deal with it. We try to fix it. And we move forward. The problem is we have too many people out there, too many teenagers or kids or even adults that never had a hand on their butt when they were little. And we're seeing the repercussions of that right now on the streets. Uh, Kent, Kent Gray, when, in your opinion, uh, I've got probably 20 years on you, uh, uh, but my question to you is, when did this disrespect for the law officer start in this country? Because when I was growing up, I mean, people were, they were afraid of the police. They wouldn't, they wouldn't mouth off to the police. They certainly wouldn't take a swing at them, and they certainly wouldn't go out and obviously in a very public way throw uh, you know, glass bottles at their heads. Yeah, I think it was probably about 18, 20 years ago that that started, that started changing. I mean, there's been a, a real devolution in how people respect the, the police. And I think and I've spent Is a lot of time— Is it racial? Is there a you know, I think it's actually there's a racial component, but I think it's less racial because I think most I was on a, I was on a civil service commission that hired cops for 20 years. Most police departments now are far more diverse than they ever were before. And so you have in, in a lot of these situations, it looks like it might be a racial issue. But the cops that actually responded to it are a mix of Latino and black and white and Asian. And, you know, one of the guys that responded in the George Floyd uh, case, which was horrible, was Asian. I mean, you have yeah. you have the situation. It's, it's really a cultural difference between, frankly, police officers and a, a certain subset of the community that does not respect the police. And they know if they're thrown into jail, they'll be out before you know it. And they can do whatever it is that they were doing before, whether it's, you know, stealing cars, robbing shops, hurting people, selling drugs, hurting cops, whatever it might be. They'll be back on the street the next day. And as that happens to these people, you know, they get to 10 or 15 or 25 instances where they basically have been let out of the system. They know it has no teeth. And once it has no teeth, they get violent. Rush. It even, it even gets worse. As, as somebody who oversees the Community Retail Association, we talk to our members. And what's happening right now, which is, which is very scary, is that people will come into their stores. They will take whatever they want, essentially loot, and they will walk out. And the reason why they are doing that is because most of them know that there's nothing that can be done. They know that Kim Fox and the Chicago police really don't have the power to prosecute. They know that, as Kent mentioned, that they could actually now, with today's day and age, go in, take what they want, leave. And, yeah, they, they might get you know harassed. They might get arrested. But ultimately, the law says that it's going to be a misdemeanor and you're not going to face any time. That is scary, and as somebody who represents retail owners, um, something has to be done about that. Real quick, Bruce, I would point out with Doug, in, in Texas, he's talking about the fact that they're having trouble to get bonds on people and stuff like that. Yeah. you got to understand, in places like Illinois and New York and California, we've abandoned the bail system. So we're, we're farther along the crazy scale than, than Texas is. He's just dealing with Houston. In Illinois, nobody's having to pay bail to get out anymore. You're just released automatically unless you're... In, 
a- obvious threat to the community, and even then sometimes they're getting away. And you're, you're not arrested if you're stealing things from Michigan Avenue stores. No, because they're too busy doing other stuff. Too busy. We've got to pause. Doug Griffith will be back to you. We've also got callers. 1-800-723-8289 from coast to coast and border to border in our 42nd year. This is Beyond the Beltway. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge. Or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 828-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Bruce Dumont, we are back. Nancy Pelosi is back. We're all back safely. Doug Griffith is here. He's with the Houston Police Union. And we have a caller from uh, Spokane, Washington. Joy, who is a regular listener to this program. Joy, nice to have you with us this Sunday night. Oh, hi. Um, I guess 
I hope I can be somewhat coherent with my um, comment. But, I hope so too. And this is addressing <laughs> this is addressing more um, black um, uh, black community and policing. Um, but um, I think that at some level there has to be some kind of awareness campaign and uh, reconciliation reconciliation um, kind of on both sides. I. Um, Briefly, I read um, this uh, racial injustice history, and every day they're talking about lynchings. They're talking about different things. And I know this was a number of years ago, but it continued up until the 60s. Um, but so often the police were either involved actively in that or they were um, they looked the other way. And, and I think that... The black community brings different um, um, biases, too, towards the police, because that's a history that they've grown up with, probably hearing about and such. And I think on the police side, there can be implicit bias. I know when I lived in Palo Alto, they did a, a study, and there was implicit bias. So I think, um, I'm not going to say CRT, because then everyone closes their ears and everything, but I think if communities could have some reconciliation, have some recognition that people are coming into these situations um, with different biases or different mindsets and try to work those through either community policing or some way where you're really okay. let's let, trying to. Let's let, yeah. Doug, let's let Doug Griffith, uh, uh, you know, react to that comment. Doug? Yes. I I'm going to start off by saying We've done a better job as law enforcement of making sure we represent or we look like the people we represent. In fact, Houston is one of the most diverse departments in the nation because of the police union. We put in our contract that you didn't have to pass civil service to get into the academy, which means they can hire anyone they want. If they wanted a whole class of Asians, a whole class of African-American, whole class of whatever, doesn't matter, a whole class of women, they can hire whoever they want. They test at the end, so they can test them up. Unlike other agencies where you just have to pass civil service test, and then you're put on a list. So we have the most diverse group in the nation. And let me tell you something. Our African-American and our Hispanic officers are the ones that take it the worst out on the streets. They are called Uncle Toms. They are called Turncoats. They are called every name in the book because they're out there trying to serve their community and do what's right. So we have to understand that's number one. Number two. All the stuff about lynching and all that stuff is before I was ever born. You can't blame me or my ancestors because my ancestors were poor folks that come come from uh, Louisiana. We didn't own anybody. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's stuff that we have to get past, and we have to work together as a group, as a community to get past that. And until we start seeing both sides of the aisle, we're never going to do that. Remember, it was Democrats that started the KKK. Yet nobody remembers that. Joy, let let me ask you this question. Well, uh, well, and I didn't mean blame. I didn't mean it through blame. Um, I really meant it as an awareness. So it's just better understanding why people might react the way they do. I don't mean it at blame at all. Um, so it's oh, it's no, ma'am, I understand. A recognition. Yeah, so it's well, just let me, recognizing let me, Joy, let me, Joy, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Okay. We, have, we have heard for decades 
that America's prisons are filled with blacks at a disproportionate uh, level of incarceration. We've heard that from yeah. those left of center, those black political leaders. We've heard that for decades, okay? There is right. some truth right. to that, okay? I will acknowledge there right. is some truth to that. But here is something else. If that is true, and that has been the, uh, the, the modus operandi for the last three decades in this country, that means that many of the ex-offenders who got out of prison, who have been home, hopefully having a job, but maybe having children over the last three decades, they have one thing they may have one thing in common. They served time. They were in prison. And now they yeah. have young people who are sixteen to twenty three and they're on the streets. They're doing the robbing and the stealing and the sticking up, regardless of their their race. That's what they're doing because their parents or their father, if there is a father in the house, the only experience that he has is having been incarcerated for, for 15 to 20 years. So he has an automatic resentment against the police right. and against the system. So he is he is teaching and he is he is putting into the brain of his young thug son in many cases a hatred of the police yeah and so he said there isn't any parent at home that's going to tell him yeah you got to be in by 10:30 i don't care what you're doing but we want you home and and those things don't happen that's my comment last word to you Doug uh any any comment on what i just said 10 se- we got 10 seconds Yes, sir. And, and, and I'm going to pose it like this. I don't think it's as much a race issue as a poor issue. Every low-income neighborhood is wrought with crime. And it doesn't matter if it's black, white, or Hispanic. I have an area that I work, Sunnyside, sixth most dangerous uh, neighborhood in the nation for years, African-American. You go right across the tracks, it's all Hispanic, dirt poor. Guess what? A lot of crime there as well. Where I grew up in the Cloverleaf area in Houston, again, high crime area. Doug, we've got to because it's poor. I've got we to, have to get, start giving kids opportunities to get out of that. I, I I've got to thank you for that point. We are out of time. Doug Griffith, uh, he is the president of the Houston Police Officers Union, uh, joining us tonight from uh, Houston, Texas. Kent Gray has been with us. He is a Republican operative. He's a pro-Trump Republican, and Rush Darwish is a pro-Democrat Democrat. Always good. That's the first time you guys have been on together. Nice uh, mix tonight. And, uh, Doug, we thank you very much. By the way, turn your head to the left, Doug. I want to know who who is in the orange uniform sitting right behind you. Who is that? Altuve? Altuve. Okay. That I've got will... Bregman, uh, uh, Jordan Alvarez, and uh, La Pina. Okay. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night. We are the entertainment you love and information that shapes your day. We are your lifeline. We are your companion. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. 
Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 